0: Let's go. To all my listeners, please go to thedifferentbook.com and pick up a copy of my new children's book, Different. 10% of every book sold goes directly to the cystic fibrosis charity, Emily's Entourage, which is searching for a cure for a unique mutation of the cystic fibrosis gene. I recommend Different to children ages 5 and up, Growing up as kids, we sometimes feel like we don't fit in with everyone else, whether it's uh, our curly hair, a mole or freckle we don't like, being too tall or too short, the list goes on. Different teaches kids that we all have our thing and everyone is different, which means being different is normal. I'm very excited about this book and want to give as much as I can to Emily's Entourage, so please pick up a copy for your kids or grandkids or friends' kids and help me spread the word. Check out thedifferentbook.com for all the details. And if you haven't yet, Please rate this podcast five stars and leave a review. It all really does help. Hey! All right! Welcome to the GK Show. fun music at the beginning, yeah! Uh! Hope you're having a good day! Let's start the pod!
1: There we go, what's up? Brent Kobler on the phone doing my... Headphone in my headphone podcast audio. Brant, what's up, buddy? You're in Denver, right? I am in Denver, bored out of my mind. How are you, buddy? (laughs) My wife and I would be bored out of our minds. We didn't have two small kids who, from the moment they wake up early in the morning to at night, it's just exhausting. Like, I was thinking, (laughs) man, I'm going to get so much done, at least during this quarantine, you know, got to look on the bright side, and I was like, whoa, I can't get shit done because I have two people (laughs) I made. Fucking checking up all my time. um What is it? What's the <laughs> vibe in Denver? I, I like talking to people in different states because it's obviously different everywhere. It's it's pretty chill. I mean, it's quiet.
2: I'm surprised there was there was a lot of people out like during St. Patty's Day, but after that, everyone's done pretty good. So we'll walk our dog every day, but that's about the only time we leave. And and there's not many people anywhere. So it's everybody's following the rules. So we'll see what happens.
1: What uh? How long have you been in Denver now? Like two years? Three? Years?
2: Uh, yeah, a little over two years. So, um, I love it, man. It's been, I moved here a little over two years ago, and I'll I'll probably never leave, hopefully, because uh, it's got a great comedy scene, and it's just a cool city, and it's got all four sporting team, all all four sports teams, great concert venues. it's yeah. a pretty good spot.
1: I remember when I, because you're always at comedy works, so you're just there every week, right?
2: Yeah, when I'm yeah, I'm trying not to stay. I'm trying to stay off the road as much as I can. But um, yeah, I'm at Comedy Works. There's two clubs here, so I'm at one of the clubs usually uh, once or twice a week when I'm in town, which is awesome. That's
1: great. How does it work? Cause I remember I worked at Comedy Works a long time ago when uh, I was featuring for John Heffern. And John, I remember told me he goes, "Yeah, I did." He goes, "If some of the other guys in the lineup seem like they hate you, it's because." It's, uh, he said they're like they're all headliners, and like they usually plan on these spots, and you're taking like two people's spots away <laughs> that are local. Uh-huh. So like, yeah, I, so I, that's the only time I worked. Is that how it works? Like, there's a bunch of local guys that are good, like you, and you guys all what y'all do 10, yeah. 15 minutes on every show or something.
2: Yeah, so there's a ton of
1: headliners here.
2: Like uh, when I moved here, like Al Jackson moved here, Mitch Patel moved here uh aj finney mike mike stanley but then like ben roy and adam Cain holland andrew overdall josh blue there's just a ton of killers here so we all sign up for the spots and then if someone brings their own feature we don't hate them that's just part of the game so then we don't get so then that takes up a lot of spots and then yeah. uh, but the cra but if, if they the thing that causes trouble is not trouble but um when someone brings like a crappy feature then they get buried you know some guys have brought like girls are trying to date or shitty some guys yeah. like to have like shitty openers but we're all so we'll host so all of us at headline will also host shows so like <laughs> if you're if you're and you don't really mess around we don't you know people are like we never i never like i try to bury somebody but there's just so many good comics here you don't really you just don't mess around here. Everybody always brings it, and the Comedy Works room—it's both show, both uh, clubs are so good. So it's, yeah, it's, that's the only thing that's bad is like if you—I mean, I'm sure you had no problem, but there's there's people I could tell you that brought <laughs> that just brought like LA models and shit like that that just eat it that are just doing like Whole Foods parking
1: lot jokes. Man, for they're, they're yeah, Men- no, man. And, and Denver people are like, "What? What are you talking about?" Man, I remember when I was young, The because uh, I got on the road pretty quick, and I always wanted to be on the ro- I wanted to be, like, a really good comic. I never got into it because I was like, oh, man, I want to be, like, a, a movie star or, you know, whatever. I didn't even think like that. I just was like, I really want to be, be really good at stand-up. So I was happy to go on the road for, like, shitty money and just get good. And I'm not going to say anybody's name because some of these people are, like, they're, like, nice people. But I remember this guy who's always at the comedy store. He's still at the comedy store. And he's just an L.A. guy, and uh, he worked in Vegas. And remember the Four Queens, right? Remember yeah. we used to do that, right? That's when you lived in Vegas still, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Four Queens is like not like a super easy room, on, you know, downtown Vegas. And this dude just, I think he featured for me all week and just, I mean, like ate a dick all week. Yeah. Well, and, that,
2: and then, that, that yeah. happened a lot in Vegas, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like guys that do, I remember seeing guys from the store, and I'm not trying to show them the store, because the store is great, like, and there's a lot of, like, yeah. obviously amazing comedians there, but some of those guys, like, back in the day when the store was, like, not doing well, they all they did was hang around the store, I remember I was down in uh, the Irvine Improv, I mean, that's still Southern California, and Al Madrigal brought these guys down to open form, and they're doing, like you said, like, they're doing Hollywood Boulevard joke, where even people yeah. in Irvine were like, "All right, like fucking, like I mean, yeah." I'm like, I was sitting there going, "You can't travel. Your act doesn't travel fucking forty miles." Yeah, That's terrible. Well, the,
2: like all, all the alt comics that would come to Four Queens or the Vegas shows, they would eat it. There was, yeah. there was a couple guys that were like that had like a lot of LA buzz that were. I mean, honestly, and I, I, I mean, I think Nick Thune's great. I, I really like Nick Thune, but. I remember being excited when he came to Vegas and man, he ate shit so hard (laughs) because the tourists like didn't get at, it was like the start of all comedy and man, he ate it. And a couple other guys, you know, LA agents would say, Hey, this is my guy. He's hot in LA. And then they'd come to Vegas and man, they would just bomb doing like just, just like references and not real jokes and the crowds would be like, what is this shit? (laughs) So it's funny. I I love watching people. Supposedly, have heat eat it. It's one of my favorite things.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, though, it's like I, like comics always. I mean, we always say like comics. We like to see like our friends eat it. It's it just it's like kind of like funny, you know. <laughs> Especially when you know your friends yeah. are funny and they're just eating it. But uh, the thing that that I realize <laughs> like, it does not matter. Like if that person has industry heat, they could just eat a dick all over the country, and then they'll just keep getting stuff, and then eventually they'll just get their fan base. You know, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, like, we'll, they'll get their niche audience.
2: We've had a couple come through here that really ate it, and it was awesome for me. Like, one of my big pet peeves is – and, I, I mean, when I started, I was, like, a douche. I didn't think women were funny, and now I have a ton – I think there's a lot of women that are funny. But yeah. But I feel like you're not allowed to – some of them suck, just like some dudes suck. And we had a girl come through here, and she fucking ate it so bad. And I was, I was featuring for her, and then she was, like – one of the main things I got mad – I did, like, a dick joke at the end of my set. And then she was like, I can't believe he did that in front of a female headliner. I'm like, you guys want to fucking talk this shit? Never call you a female headliner. You're only a headliner till you want it to be. So there's like, yeah. a, you know, and this girl, and she was like, I, I, I did a joke about my brother being retarded. And she was like, I don't know how he sleeps at night and all this. I was like, oh, my God, you're the fucking worst. And like <laughs> T.J. Miller's sister came and she was talking shit about one of my jokes. I was like, you're T.J. Miller's sister. And you're the joke police.
0: So <laughs> she didn't like sister.
2: I don't know. She's like an improv. I guess she does stand-up in L.A. But they came in. She's like, did a guest spot with this the girl that was a headliner. But it was great because these girls just, I mean, they just, they got in their little safe bubble L.A. And then they came out here where there's, like, real comics. And, and that shit might work at, what I don't know, in Silver Lake or something. But, man, this girl ate it. She made her all – she made her own merch and all this and didn't sell one of them, and I just loved it because she was talking shit about me. Another one of my jokes, I forget, I don't even know what she was mad about, but she's like, I said I had a girlfriend, and then she's like, oh, yeah, Mike, he really has a girlfriend. And then the other comic's like, no, that's his girlfriend sitting, like, right there, and I just loved it. So when people come and they just get pouty, and it's just that's the kind of shit I love is this girl thought she was so good and she, she'll she never be back. Because you can't really fuck around at comedy work. If you don't do good yeah. at comedy works, you should just quit. I mean, that's what
1: I always tell people. <laughs> like, yeah, comedy works like, is—I mean, it's like a cheat code, man. Yeah, that room's amazing. If anyone doesn't—I mean, listening doesn't know—like, the comedy works. Just to—I mean, don't, I've only been to one, um, but it's like there's no tables; they're all seats, so everyone's packed yeah. in. And then there's cup holders for your drinks, and it goes from like—it's kind of hard to—it's like there's a stage, and then so people go down and then like up to the stage right from what I remember yeah like they're like on you and the ceiling's low and you just fucking murder there it's awesome yeah and and we take phones every
2: single show every show's in yonder so we never have to deal with cell phones oh really just amazing yeah so I mean we don't every single show unless the headliner requests which so rarely happens every everyone gets their phone taken away. So you don't, it's, I mean, it's such a cheat code. <laughs> it's like, Man, then when I go on the road, is... I'm like, Oh my God, why are these people on their phones? or why this or that? So it's, it's,
1: it's not fair, honestly. You know, this is, has nothing to do with stand up, but it's a good, like, just, so you don't even, cause we're kind of like programmed to check our phone for no reason. We just check it mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. And uh, so my place, my, you've never been to my new house here, but it's like a tri-level townhome so there's like, you know, the bottom The bottom level has a TV and that was supposed to be like my man cave and then there's the center level, whatever. The point is like the internet, we have good internet but for some reason like it doesn't it reaches the bottom level but it doesn't like hit it hard enough to where you know, it's, I can stream stuff or something. Uh-huh. So what I started doing, I had this extender and it worked and then it fucking broke or something. So anyway, what I've been doing now is if I, like, late at night or something, if I'm just relaxing, I want to watch something, I'll just plug my phone into, like, a lightning cord or whatever, and like, the HDMI <laughs> thing. So I watch, you know, a show or a movie, and it's great. I, was, I noticed last night, because my phone's plugged into the thing, the TV, and I'm on the couch, I'm not, I'm, like, paying attention to the show or the movie or whatever I'm watching, you know what I mean? I'm not, like, checking my phone for no reason, looking at Instagram or something, you know what I mean? So... I no, kind of like sure. I, I was gonna like be like oh, I need to get another extender or whatever but I'm like I kind of like this. It keeps me <laughs> like watching yeah, the was... documentary I'm watching or whatever I'm doing.
2: It's great and it, it's sad. I mean, I, I'll just admit how pathetic I am. There there was times when like I think I was watching Narcos and they had a lot of subtitles and I was like I'm missing the show cuz I can't look, stop looking at my phone and there's nothing yeah. going on on the phone I want to watch this show. So, you know what I started doing at one point was swimming. I would go swim laps, and part of what I loved about it is that I just couldn't touch my phone no matter what. It was the only way. I'm yeah. so addicted to this stupid phone that being in a pool for an hour, but it actually was good for me to, to clear my mind, and I actually got a lot of stuff creatively done by just not being able to get on my stupid phone. So, But I agree with you, man. This phone's... And it's crazy because people will complain about it when they come to work. Like, what if I need it? They're like, well, if you need it, then you can walk out and check it but you can't have it in there and yeah and the beauty of comedy works is they sell out almost every show so we're just like well if you don't like it just go away there's a waiting list to get in this show you know some people always get mad i'm gonna go on yelp i'm I'm never coming back here again and i always just sit up and because i don't work there like employee wise i can kind of be more of a smart ass and say what the employees really want to say so a lot of times people be like I'm never coming back. I'm getting on Yelp, and, and I'm like, it's okay. We sell out every show anyway. We like, we'll be totally fine. You don't have to come back, and that just ruined their big rant. I'm like, oh no, we're we're totally gonna be okay. There's there was 50 people outside that wanted to get in, so if you don't want to come back, that's great. And then they get off. Well, it's just I don't know. I'm Like, just shut up.
1: <laughs> that's and that, I didn't know they take the phones there. Just another thing about I, I realized first of all we said swimming that's like my main, when I'm in town, yeah. I can, I always swim cause my back is so messed up. And I, I love swimming for the same reason. It's like meditating kind of, cause I meditate yeah. too. So, but when you swim, it's kind of like you're just in your own head. You lose like You lose what's going on. You're just like in the water. I remember I was swimming one time years ago and gym. goes, I went in the sauna after. She goes, don't you just love swimming? I go, yeah, I got in years ago. I really like it. It's great. And you know, I got a bad back. She goes, you know, we were, we were born in water. And I go, what? <laughs> and she started going, yeah. Like when we were in our mother's, uh, you know, womb, we were in like the amniotic fluid or whatever, I go, Oh yeah. Okay. And in my head, I'm like, I'm going to repeat that shit and pretend I'm smart too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we <laughs> that's our natural habitat is like floating around. But, uh, mm-hmm. another thing I noticed, I, um, I always am listening to podcasts when I walk my dog because, mm-hmm. or, you know, when you work out, if you're not like swimming, And I realized one time I just was like, man, I'm sick of having like just people talking in my head. And I walked my dog or I didn't have my phone or something. I don't know. Maybe I want to charge my phone. Something happened where I didn't have my phone. And I started walking and I started having like more creative ideas again. Because with my own thoughts, instead of just listening to, you know, somebody talk about what's going on in the world or comedy podcast or whatever. But there's so much content out there. I feel like there's like, oh, I got to listen to this. I'll listen to this. I'll listen to this on 1.5 speed and just so you, take oh, you do it that in yeah, never, on certain podcasts i can't i mean
2: I'm, I'm with you man i listen to podcasts i probably listen to three or four hours of podcasts every day and my girlfriend hates doesn't hate she's just not into them so it's the weird thing so sometimes with so when we go on walk when me and her there's no podcast and we actually talk about stuff and and i agree with you i can be more creative or be like talk about my life but when i'm not with her i just throw on a podcast two or three hours and just walk or work out but i i I like both sides of it but uh yeah it's it's just crazy that these i mean and everyone's made jokes about how much phone time it is during this we're all stuck at home but man some of these people should stay off their phones. (laughs) i think people are losing (laughs) gigs But not even performing. There's some people I'm like, God, I didn't know what a psycho you were until you posted 10 times a day on Facebook.
1: I can't believe, you know what? I'm kind of like, uh, I'm I'm shocked. I mean, this is, I've been shocked for years now, but I can't believe how many intolerant comedians there are. to like people who disagree with them about stuff, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, you're from Wyoming and like we both like toured around. And my whole thing is, there's like assholes and there's idiots on every side of the political spectrum on every, every race has it. Like I was, I would joke around the last, um, the last cruise, I've been performing on cruise ships, you know, because I need to make money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so right before it all shut down, carnival was like, they gave away $10 cruises because they were just trying to, they didn't know they're going to have to shut down. They were just trying to get people on the ship, you know? And uh-huh. I told, I told the other comic, Jalen Bishop, I go, man, some of these cruises, depending what time of year it is, I go, if it's a longer cruise, people tend to have more money, and t- time of year, maybe it's like a family trip and whatever, and there's more of that. I go, in some of these cruises, man, it's just like every race sends their worst. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: it's unbelievable. Well, I've, seen some,
2: I've seen some all-out like brawls on the cruise ship, like on World Star Hip Hop. I've seen like Twenty on oh, yeah. twenty, like fights, and I'm just like, God, who breaks that up? Or you can't really go to. J- There's no like jail on a cruise ship, is there? Or how does that work?
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, that last I'm, ship I was on, where there was ten dollar cruises, people paid ten bucks. I mean, oh. it was only a three day cruise, which is already like the Carnival three day cruise is already the cheapest cruise I think there is in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, basically it's like a like the most bargain cruise you could do. So it's already kind of like you know it gets pretty rowdy. Bro, the first show was the whole room smelled like weed. You're obviously not allowed to bring weed on a cruise ship, but the entire room smelled like weed. <laughs> there's no real host of the show. It's just you go up on Carnival. It's just there's not like a good comic and then and then you. It's just some comedy club. They call him the comic club manager or host. You know, sometimes yeah, they'll yeah. do like an internet joke or something. So th- this guy does not control. a controller. Very nice guy, but he's just like, hey, oh my god, it smells like it smells like marijuana in here, and then everyone's just rowdy. like. If you could keep the talk down, that'd be great. Like, everyone's just kind of like, fuck this guy. I'm gonna do what I want. And then, dude, I did three days of just performing for fucking absolute animals. I was texting my wife, like, Uh-oh. and all I do is crowd work, and they loved it. But it was just like, it was just like, uh, it's kind of like, they just wanted me to roast them the whole time, you know? Like, there was, it yeah. <laughs> wasn't like one rowdy group. It was like, everybody was rowdy in their own way. So I'd just be like, you know, I'd get up there, and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I didn't use it just have to figure it out. I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing crowd work. And then uh, yeah. I remember one show I couldn't believe was going well. Like, they were all just listening. And I probably got, like, 10, 15 minutes in. You, you On Carnival, you to do, like, a bunch of different half-hour sets. And they're all different <laughs> material. And then out of nowhere, everyone's listening. Everyone's laughing and clapping, having a good time. And this one white chick just goes, you're fucking real, man. You're fucking <laughs> real. And I And you know, this is a comic. You're like, this isn't going to go away. I'm not going to be able to say thank you. And then she'll stop.
2: And I go, oh, okay,
1: cool. I appreciate that. She goes, you're fucking, you're so fucking real. I love it. And I'm like, thank you so much. And then she's like, no, no, you're fucking real. And I'm like, okay. And then it just turned into me shitting on her for like seven minutes. And then her boyfriend was in on it. Like he's shitting on her kind of with me. Like he's helping me out when I ask questions. And then it turned into like seven, eight minutes in, he goes, Yo, dude, let's do the next joke. I go, are you fucking? You're turning on me now, dude. <laughs> I go, get your fucking drunk wife under control. This lady's shit face, and it's just like, but that's what they wanted. Everybody after the show was just like, you did your thing, man. Like all proud of yeah. what happened. So yeah, no, that's
2: I. I was lucky to do a lot of black rooms starting out in Vegas, uh, and they and they, they just they get you ready for everything, man. And then I, some of my friends are just. Like my whole Seattle crew, those are my boys, but they never, they've never done a black room in their life. So then, when you end up in one, it's like they, they, they can smell like fear. If you're not, you have to be able to go to that crowd where that's what they yeah. want. But that's just like a muscle. You better have learned it early because it's, because uh, trust me, those first we, we had some Vegas rooms that were just full of like fucking murder like real gang members like people bring guns and shit and i remember just thinking man this shit is i better not fuck these crowd work up but it just made us but when the when the crowd work is going good man those black rooms to me are the most fun because they talk about you could say whatever the fuck you want they're no one's running to yelp in the black rooms they were they i'd always say they just run around in circles when you're crying (laughs) you start roasting people just start running around and you'll be like this is awesome but that's so funny but yeah the. It, it, I can't imagine the riffraff on a $10 cruise that you would have to. I'm telling you, it's like, I mean,
1: it's not. I'm, first of all, just to clarify, they're not all black. It's just like white people, they're Latino people, they're yeah, yeah. everything. And they are just, and the thing that sucks is I know there's people on the ship who wanted to just kind of like hear material. Like I know they're in the room like, I wanted to hear some <laughs> solid structured jokes. And instead it's like me just shitting on people who are being rowdy and loving that I'm shitting on them. And then after the show, it's just and I, then I think people are like, "Is this all this guy does?" I'm like, "You fucking try and just do material in yeah. front of this absolute circus of a crowd." Which yeah, they no don't understand. It. It's survival. Yeah. You just gotta survive.
2: <laughs>
1: oh yeah. And you, you and I both know a half hour is easy, but when it's like an absolute shit show and you're and you crush for like twenty, you're like, oh. Can I make it the next ten? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Then, like
2: you said, then trying to come out of crowd work to do material—it's like, it's such a fine line. Of, they're like, no, keep fucking with us. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to. It's not that fun. Dude, <laughs> I'm I actually I, working I on jokes to like do on a CD or do on TV one day or, or something. That was like some, one, some of the best advice I ever got because I remember Ian Bag came to Vegas and then he crushed. And then I was like, I just want to do crowd work. And then Jimmy Dore was the next week, and Jimmy Dore, and I was telling him how I want to do crowd work. And he's like, Man, you can't do crowd work on CDs. You can't do crowd work on TV. I get you a guest uh, You can't do crowd work. He's like, Crowd work. We can all do crowd work, but it's not. It's not really beneficial for your career. And then when he broke it down like that, I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. As much as and I love, I and I, as, as much as I love Ian, Ian dealt with the struggles of trying to film a special where not only do you have to film the comedian, then you have to film all of the audience, which I think is a whole nother problem.
1: I know Ian is somebody who is so fucking funny live. And I, I would tell this story because Ian's one of the guys that helped me out when I was younger. And uh, Ian's so funny live. Like it's unbelievable. I remember I would yeah. go up and I'd have like a, I'd have a really good set. I remember he let me like feature form or something in Ontario or something once. Like And I went up, and in my head, I was like, that was fucking solid. You know what I mean? For myself, I was like, that was (laughs) really good. That crowd really liked me. And then he goes up and just, like, kills on, like, this other level. Like, it's so fast. I remember hosting for Ian. And even after, when he gets off stage, like, even in that, like, minute that I'm just, like, interchanging until, like, the next thing or whatever, because uh, I remember, like, him and Bert Kreischer, I hosted once a long time ago, and they were co-headlining at Brea, and they would flip-flop, right? And the nights when Ian went on first, just that like minute I was on stage in between Ian and Bert, I felt like I was boring the audience because I wasn't just like, bada, 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 like just fucking yeah. machine gun <laughs> blasting him with punchlines. And um it's just like this weird pace that he gets. But the thing that bugs me is like you said, dude, like Ian's specials are really, really funny. Obviously he's a super funny guy, but it's like you don't get, you can't get on a special, like, the energy he creates in the room. You can't yeah. see what the energy was that he took it to. And then there's other guys. I won't mention names because this is, like, kind of not a good thing. There's some guys that are, like, weak comics. And then when they do TV, they come off better than they actually are. And that bothers yeah. me because, cause like, they need that boost from the – I remember a guy was about to do the Late Late Show. And he – he the night before, he's warming up his set at the Comedy Magic Club. And I was hosting that night and he was just gonna do his set that he's gonna do on T V the next day. And the crowd was really good. I think Ralph Harris was the headliner and Ralph's fucking super funny. And uh and this guy just goes up for his five minutes and I mean like crickets for five minutes. And it was it was just weird. You're like, Oh my god. So I was like, Well, I gotta watch his set tomorrow, you know, I gotta see how this goes and he did fine on T V. Like, yeah, did good. Didn't like um, like murder, but he did he did really good and you'd think like, Oh, this guy's a really funny guy. Um, just weird. So I want to ask you, cause you kind of, we sort of brought up together, I guess, but who are the comics that have come through and dicks in your career? Who's been a dick to you?
2: To me, man.
1: Cause you're a super you nice know, guy.
2: Everybody likes Uh, you. you know, let me think about it. Like Ian can be a real dickhead to everybody, but he was really nice to me. Yeah. And it's, I, I, he's what, he's the one that a lot of people, I'm like, oh no. Some people are like, uh, he didn't watch my set and all this. Like, he doesn't have to. Or he used to do this thing when he'd go up on stage and he'd just go, yeah, give it up for that guy or whatever. And just like a throwaway line. And he's just joking, but some comedians would take that, like, offensive. But to be a dickhead to me is like, nobody's really been a dickhead. Uh, honestly, like, I, we never, I've had like, I had a weird moment with Rob Schneider the other day where he, he wasn't mean, but he was like, or Rob Schneider came with Annie Letterman, who I love, but Annie's pretty dirty. And then I did, so then they did the first show with Annie just coming out. Then they decided they wanted to host. So they called me and said, hey, will you come host these Rob Schneider shows? I said, sure. Then I come out and I I host. I just do 10 minutes and I'm, I'm not super dirty ever. I might've done one like dick joke or something. And then afterwards, and Annie's, Far from clean, and then after the show, Rob's like, "Yeah, I thought you were going to be clean." I was like, "You want me to be clean in front of Annie (laughs) who was doing?" And then, and then I worked with him again, and I was doing a, I was doing a kind of dirty joke to close, and he was trying to, and he was telling the manager, and I was getting the light from the booth, and then he was like, "Cut it, cut it, cut it," and I was like, "Bro, you're famous. Like, you can follow me. They're here to see you." So stuff like that was weird. Then afterwards, he i wouldn't say he gave me a lecture but we talked comedy for a while but he was like yeah i wouldn't have done that joke that you did before me and i'm like bro i'm making fifty dollars and you're making fucking ten thousand like don't just be famous and they were here to see you you know like he wasn't really a dick but stuff like that i was like i don't know if i was i i go by the like there's been times I headline and people just crushed in front of me and i'm like I was like, shit! I I gotta do better. I gotta get better. It wasn't their fault. I would never tell them not to do something. If I'm gonna take the most money, I I need to be the best, you know. But like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anybody who is a real dickhead to me. There were some people that just didn't want to hang, which like hurt my feelings early. But then I realized, oh, they were like, you know, like when Sub- I opened for Sebastian at the Four Queens, which is crazy in hindsight. Maybe like a hundred yeah. people a show, and he didn't have any real hang in them. But now in hindsight he was he was already successful and I think that was like right before he really blew up. So he's out like golfing with rich people and shit. So nobody's ever been mean, but I do get disappointed sometimes when they don't when comics don't want to just hang out because, you know, the best nights I've had in my life not the best nights I've had in my life, but the times I've been around like Brian Regan or Chappelle or David Teller, like the biggest best comedians, they couldn't
1: be cooler.
2: So yeah. it, sometimes it's just like the middle people that didn't quite make it better like bitter i'm like oh you guys suck, but
1: i do think yeah, there is I have a philosophy and it's pre- probably can't be 100% accurate but i feel like people who are famous like really famous and it's not for stand up not saying they didn't do stand up but it's not for stand up those people tend to be more jerky like if they're more famous for acting and then they w- went back to doing stand up or something they tend to be a little bit more jerky in my experience I have a really yeah. weird Rob Schneider story. Rob Schneider used to do a show at the Laugh Factory uh, like once a week or something, or once, every, every now and then, whenever he wanted, basically, because it would always sell out. And Earl Skakel introduced me to Rob, because, you know, I think he used to open for something. He's like, Rob, he's like, oh, you don't know, Jeff, he's really funny. And then Rob is super nice. And he goes, hey, man, he goes, do you want to, he's like, you ever want to go up on one of my shows He's like, just let me know, you know? And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I go, are you sure? And I didn't know if he just kind of sang it because, you know, Earl just said uh-huh. it was funny or something. He's like, no, seriously. And then afterwards, I'm like, cool, man. I really appreciate that. And he's like, yeah. He's like, come next week if you want. And I texted Earl. I think I texted Earl. I just asked him or something. I go, hey, man. I go, is, what kind of guy is Rob? Like, he's serious about that? He's like, oh, yeah, no, he's serious about that. And I'm like, that's really cool. So then... I don't know if I had told Earl, like, hey man, can you tell him I'm, I'm gonna come by like the next week? <laughs> so he's like, I could show up and Rob's like, Hey and he's all this is my only interaction ever by the way with Rob Schneider. Like I haven't seen him since. I didn't know him before this, I never met him. And he was just like, Hey, he's like, Yeah, hey. he goes, You wanna go up? And I go I was like, Yeah, sure, man. I go, Do you have room, he's like, Yeah, totally, I'll get you up. So he never said when he was gonna put me up. So I just ended up standing, you know, at the last factory where you kinda of like wait when you're next. Yeah. I stood there the whole night. But the thing that was weird is he was coming up and we would talk every single time. Like, he'd bring up the next person and then he'd come up to me and we would talk. And he's like, so nice. I remember being like, wow, this guy's so fucking cool and so yeah. chill. He's never seen me do stand up. He's going to put me up. And then next thing I know, uh, like, he brings up uh, Dalia. And I was like, okay. And every person he brought up, I go, I guess I'm going up after this person. You know, like, maybe I'm going, <laughs> I'm just preparing myself. And then when Chris was done, he just closed the show and then walked past me like we hadn't been talking and hanging out on me and left <laughs> <laughs> like didn't yeah, he, he was, say dude i forgot or like it's so that's such a weird thing to do
2: yeah and just that's the kind of thing that would drive me crazy like he was super nice to me but then he was like he was telling me like i should he was trying to give me good advice but i think some of it was like 1980 comedy advice he was, like you need to wear a blazer and all this but then he was he was wearing like sweatpants and obviously he's more famous but was, he would give me – but then he'd be like, when I open for Seinfeld and all this, I'd be like, well, I'm not opening for Seinfeld. That's, you're like – he was giving me advice <laughs> of, like, opening for Seinfeld in a theater, and, like – and that's that's the other thing is, like, I don't I, – those guys should know, but it's, like, sometimes – I mean, the the price – like, the fact that we get, like, $50, $60 a feature, and then some of these people come in and they make so much money, it's, like, sometimes – I'm like I don't want a fucking lecture, or I want to say Rob. I don't I don't have blazer money. I just yeah, <laughs> you know I, I guess I could wear a suit, but I just got paid fifty dollars here, and my drink tabs fourteen, and parking's three, and I had to drive. You know I'm, I made maybe twelve dollars total tonight, so I don't really have your blazer money that you're telling me I need to dress up. But it was cool. But so sometimes it. I was just like, why are you? I in a weird way because he crushed. He totally crushed, and it was like the insecurity of. And I agree with you, people. I think people that didn't start and stand up and then become it, they have this insecurity that all of us real comics will never. They're always fighting that battle to to feel like they're real comics because they think we'll always be like, oh, well, they they were famous before, and then like I I dealt with that with Stevo. I thought I think Stevo, but I felt like Stevo worked hard. But he was the one where I was like, talk about humbling. I was doing Tempe Improv; it was sold out. And I crushed and I and I was like and I would never say I crushed, so only well you'll understand the story, but I felt like I crushed and I remember walking off stage like God I'm so fucking good and then they introduced Stevo and he just came out and he was like hey dude and this roar I heard shit on the biggest laugh I got. And I was like, Oh, that's that's like fame. I was like, When I thought yeah, I was yeah. crushing, it was like one of the the noise he got for just saying, <laughs> "Hey, dude!" And I was like, "Oh, this is next level shit." But I felt like yeah. any of the guys I work with like that, like, they're it feels like they're always there. I think in their own head they're like fighting that we're walking out of the room, being like, "Yeah, they did good for not
1: really a stand up," <laughs> and maybe that's yeah. why they can be kind of dicky. Man, I don't think it's like out of school for me to say this because I never got paid. So if I got paid, I think I was supposed to keep it quiet, but. A long time ago, uh, Steve O and I had the same management company. We didn't have the same manager, mm-hmm. and then like his manager wanted someone to like, uh, lift him, like punch up some jokes or write some jokes. So I went out to lunch with them and uh, just asked him a bunch of questions about them and stuff. And I wrote all this. I wrote all these jokes for him, and I don't think he ever said like like the thing is like I think his manager was supposed to take care of paying me. I think she was supposed to tell it, like, he didn't seem like, you know, when you're that famous, like, I don't think you occupy your mind with like, oh, I got to make sure yeah. like, I mean, some people do, but some people don't, you know, he had a lot going on. So I never felt like he skipped me or anything, but I wrote all these jokes and then I went to watch him. I texted him when I saw he was at the Ontario Improv. Um, Yo, yeah, dude, I go, I'm doing a show that's like out in the inland Empire. Do you want me to come by and check out your set? And like, I can see what, you, like, you, what you're actually talking about. I could punch that up. And he was like, yeah, cool, man. So I came by, did that, sent him like a whole nother page of like ideas. And he was like, thanks, man. And then it was just like, fucking <laughs> never even got 10 bucks. Like, he paid for my lunch when we went out to lunch, but that was it. But it, it was just so weird, man. And, yeah. uh, and it was one of those things, like, I don't know what I was supposed to get paid. My manager's the one. That, I think it was my manager's fault, to be honest, because she's the one that set it up with his manager. And then I just got nothing. I don't fucking know, dude. A <laughs> yeah, guy I'll, dude, I'll never say Um, to anyone open for me, like, you just said, like, I'll never tell anyone, like, what to do, because Mm -hmm. the guys that, like, Paulo Francisco gave me a career, and that guy would just encourage me to do whatever would get a laugh. Like, he actually kind of made me a dirty comic for a while, because I was trying to be, like, relatively clean, then I told him a story once about, like, a I hooked up with a couple of girls the night before with, you know, my buddies are in the hook and he's like, dude, fucking go tell that story about sticking your finger in that girl's ass. And I was like, what? I was just telling you the story. And he's like, open with it. <laughs> so like, and then it ended up being a bit, a story I told on HBO, but, um and Ian Bag I said was really nice to me. And dude, when I worked with Christian Finnegan, who was famous for being the white guy in the Chappelle show sketch, the real, real world like that, alone i mean he did like vh1 best week ever and stuff but that Chappelle show it was so funny and he was you know good in it and everything just like the scared white guy but so the first headliner i worked with after pablo was him and uh like the first night he did really bad i did really well and then he was just like and uh the second night he did really bad and i did really well and then the third night he goes hey man he's like i don't want to be like one of those guys who, like tells you like what you can and can't do in front of me. And then he just started like ripping apart my act and like basically don't do this, don't do this, whatever. Then I did bad the rest of the week cause I was like in my own head. I was so young, I thought like, I was hoping the next headline I worked with was like bring me on the road because I didn't know how I was gonna make money. Yeah, And I called Ian Bag because I couldn't get Pablo on the front, obviously. And I called Ian. And I go, hey man, I go, I don't know what to do. I remember like pacing in the old condo for Crackers, like the shitty houses, like so gross. And I'm pacing, and I'm just like in my own head. I go, Ian, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know who to talk to, and like, I, I tell him what's going on, and he goes, first off, fuck that guy, he's not funny. <laughs> he's
2: like,
1: what? And he goes, that guy fucking sucks. <laughs> I was like, oh okay. And then he just told yeah, me yeah. by, like. Yeah, he told me how some people are dicks when you're – and he goes, never listen to him. And then he told me that's why a lot of people think he's a dick is because he's, like, very standoffish. And he said he's like that because, you know, he got treated like the way I was being treated by multiple people when he was coming up. And so he just, like, makes it a point to – unless he, like, knows somebody and likes him, I guess. I think he's, like, softened now that he's married and stuff. But, yeah, he used to be very standoff. And I, I remember asking Ian when I was younger. So I wrote on the Ian Bag show, and I performed on it that we used to do live, like the Friars and stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, he had kind of, he would just like have things to say about certain people, but then he really liked other people. And I was so young and I knew I wasn't like the best comic in the world or anything. And I just go, hey, man, I go, why do you like me? <laughs> and he goes, you're <laughs> fucking funny. He's like, I like you. You're funny. <laughs> yeah,
2: see, that's, he's always fair. Like, it's funny to people when, whenever I come across you, like, I don't like Ian Bag." I was like, oh, I, it totally makes sense because he probably thinks you're ex <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think, man. Now you got me thinking of. There's people I don't like in comedy, but it has they, they. I just they're just uh, other just bullshit happening outside. But or there's people that annoy me, but no one's really been like, you know. I mean, I had a big, I had a big fight with this dude in Vegas, this Don Barnhart dude, who was just a scumbag. And then he, uh, he's like an older, bitter comic that never made it. And I, he, he was talking. He was trying to. He's always trying to like fucking scam young comics out of money and everything was for the troops and he'd buy his own awards and he'd just do all kinds of shit that i hated whoa whoa! whoa, buy his own awards yes you can like buy an award on the internet for like 97 i think it was like 97 dollars or 127 dollars or something they'll send you this like little glass like trophy and then i did it so he'd give himself like the best of las vegas and i did a little research and i was like dude this is bullshit. You know, he'd post a big thing and then people would like it. And then he'd write his own, uh, press releases. And then he'd name drop Brad Garrett and Dave Chappelle and, and everyone, but he would spell their names wrong, which like drove me crazy. Like just have some respect for the game, bro. So anyway, and then he would try to teach classes. He's always up for, always everything for the troops and all this shit. And then one day I finally called him out on it. We had it out on Facebook and then I, and he was talking shit. And here's another thing. I was, I always tell comics, hey, some comics are like, you should never burn bridges off. Fuck, some of these bridges are awful anyway. But if you yeah. get in a fight on on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, continue to be funny at least, you know? So I was yeah. I was roasting him and his his little sidekick chimed in. And then at one point, I fucking – my buddy Matt Markman, he photoshopped picture because his wife was also trying to do all these scam like karate teach women body classes, and she's supposed to be a swimsuit model and had all this bullshit. They tried to make her atomic. So then I had my buddy Matt Markman Photoshop a picture of his wife in a swimsuit sitting in my lap, and I was holding a championship uh, belt, and I posted that on <laughs> Facebook. So I made it my profile picture. So then he he posted on his page, told all his fans. Then all his fans would send me messages saying, take it down. And then anytime time one of his fans sent me a message, I said, if any of you Barnhart fans say one thing, I'm adding one more day to keeping it up. And then I would go through their profiles, find the worst picture I could of them, and then just blow up their face and put it and put it on my <laughs> comment. So I was building a fan base. People were going crazy loving it. So then this fucking idiot, he called all these clubs. He called every club he'd ever worked at and told him what I was doing. And then these clubs would call me and say, "Hey, you need to take that down. That's disrespectful. If you don't take it down, I'll never work. You'll never work our club." And I said, and i would called these people back to ride her back and go, you know what? I don't work your club right now anyway, so fuck it. I don't care. I go, all this is doing is build me a fan base. And we both know if I could sell enough tickets, I could have a picture of your wife sitting in my lap. And you would still book me. And all yeah. these comedy club bookers, then they backed off like that they saw that I had confidence and I was gaining fucking traction. So then this fucking dude, because at one point he was talking shit to me. And at one point in a message, I was like, "You're lucky I just don't go fuck your wife," you know. And then, so he he took that to the police as a threat that I that his wife didn't feel safe. So then he got a protective order against me. So then check this shit out. So then I'm I'm living in L. A. at the time. I come to Vegas. I'm at Brad Garrett's sub at the MGM. I get a call up to my room, and it's the concierge, and he's like, "Hey, someone wants someone's down here to serve you papers. Can you come down?" And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't, I'm not coming down. I'm busy. So then the guy trying to serve me papers, he calls up. He goes, hey, I, you need to come down here to serve me papers. I'm like, I'm good. Just leave him with the concierge or whatever. I don't give a shit. And then he's, I was like, why are you serving me papers? I don't even live in Vegas. And then he's like, where do you live? I go, I live in L.A. He's like, oh, so you're in L.A. now? I was like, no, I'm in Vegas. He goes, oh, but you're in L.A.? And I was like, oh, I see. Yeah, I'm in L.A. He's like, oh, I guess I can't serve you then. You know, good luck. So I thought I was done with it, right? But then I go back to L.A. and I get on Meltdown show. And it's like Rory Scovel and Jay Larson's show at Meltdown. They're some big fucking at the time. It was like the most popular show. I'm not really an alt comic anyway. I go to that to to tell my story at that show. This guy shows up to try to serve me papers on fucking stage at Meltdown. (laughs) And Rory and Jay stop him. But all the alt comics are like, this guy's like a fucking murderer. And everyone's on the green room is worried. Like, what did I do? <laughs> and I have to tell like these comics this story, and they're way too cool for it. But then I'm like, fuck it. So then I go back to Vegas. I'm working at L.A. Comedy Club, opening for Sam Tripoli. We're standing outside the club. Show started, and this big black dude comes up to me and he goes, "Hey man, are you, are you guys comics?" And me and Sam are like, "Yeah." And then he's like, "Wait." And, and my picture is up on the TV outside. He goes, "Wait, are you are you Brant Tobler?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And Sam. I'm opening for Sam, so Sam's like, you know how it is if you're a headliner and someone's, like, jocking your feature. You're like, I'm out of here. So Sam goes inside. (laughs) And the dude's like, oh, man, I can't believe it's you. I'm a huge fan. And I'm eating this shit up like a sucker. I'm like, you know what? If you want to go to the show, I could just get you free tickets. You can come in and watch if you want. he's like, no (laughs) way. That'd be so fucking cool. He goes, I hate to be this dude, man, but I'm just going to do it, man. Can I just get a picture with you, man? Can I please have a picture? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course, man. No problem. (laughs) We fucking take this picture. The second he fucking hits click on his phone, he reaches in his back pocket, pulls out these papers, hands them to me, says, "You've been served." And then he walks off. Says, "Don't ever say you're gonna fuck another man's wife." And he just (laughs) walks off. Like 30 seconds later, Joaquin comes out, the owner of La Comedy comes like, "You're on, you're on." And I literally went on stage with these papers I had just been served. And that was uh, then. Then a bunch of court shit happened. And but that's like. That's the problem I had with the comic, and I guess it more of me being a dickhead than him, but it was a crazy fucking, a crazy couple months, but the dude's a what fucking a talented,
1: uh What a talented guy who served you those papers, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I ate I that shit up, so I was just like a little white kid, a big black dude. You know, I always want black dudes to think I'm cool, so I was like, oh, this dude, and he, he played me so perfect. I mean, he did the whole thing like, man, I hate this. I hate to even bother you, but can I just, come on, can she please get a picture? And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, man, no problem.
0: <laughs> like a
2: <laughs> sucker, and he got me good. <laughs> what a fuck! But, yeah, that I was like, that's the only the comedy
1: drama I've had, huh? I wonder if he's one of the best at his job. I'm more impressed at how good that guy is at his job.
2: Yeah, you know, like, it was neat. Hey, it, it,
1: it made me want to do it. It made me want to
2: serve papers, whatever that job's called. I was like, oh, this would be a fun way to creatively fuck up people's
1: lives. But, I didn't. Uh, I just. Did, I thought when you got papers served, I thought you just knew. I mean, obviously, I don't know what I'm talking about. But I thought if I'm supposed to serve you papers, all I know is I'm supposed to serve Brent Tobler papers. This is what Brent Tobler looks like, you know. And then I can yeah. try and find out where you are or something. I didn't know I know what the case is about or what the the papers are. That was weird that he said, "Don't ever say you're gonna
2: try and find out Yeah, I don't your guys think life. maybe.
1: They had to call in the best in the
2: business after I outsmarted the first two, but I don't know, or maybe he knew the guy, but yeah, it was, it was a good parting shot as he said it over his shoulder and I was just sitting there stunned, like, man, I thought I was a little famous for a second. Now I'm fucking not famous again and I'm dealing with this (laughs) bullshit. Wait, so
1: how, how'd that get resolved? What happened? You just had to like
2: stop talking to Don Barnhart online? Yeah, so then I couldn't – so then there was, like, a 30-day protection order. So then I had – so then I posted the shit on my Facebook. I was like, look at this. This fucking idiot served me papers. Then the Las Vegas Metro Police, and then everyone – like, some lawyers said, hey, man, you should take that off your Facebook. And I was like, why? I don't don't give a fuck. Because first of all, I was like, at the time, sue me for what? I lived with four other comedians. The most expensive thing I owned was a TV maybe worth $400. Some people are like, yeah. I'm going to sue you. I'm like, for what? And you're another comic. You know how much lawsuits cost? So I didn't take any advice. I put I put the papers on Facebook. But again, I was just gaining fans. Everybody was loving this shit. But then the detective called me. He's like, why did you post that when everyone told you not to? I was like, because I, I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm, I do I think I'm right, so I don't give a fuck. And then the only time I felt bad was this last uh, think this Metro detective was like, man, I'm doing, I'm out here trying to fix like domestic violence and shit. And I have to do shit like this. And then I, and you know, I have respect for real police officers. And I was like, I'm sorry. When he put it like that, I was like, Oh, I'm literally wasting this dude's time. So he's like, just don't, just leave him alone. And I was like, okay, I will. I won't. I said, if he comes at me, you know, I'm going to have to say something, but if he doesn't say anything, I won't say anything. And he was like, okay, he was a cool detective. But then the craziest part of this story is then one – this lawyer guy who I didn't really know, he was just a fan, and he was like, I'll represent you in court, um, and I'll bury this fucking dumbass. He wrote, like, this thing on Facebook. (laughs) So then I went to Phoenix. I went down to Phoenix to go to the – I was going to go to the National Championship basketball game, right? I went down to Phoenix, and then he went to represent me in court. And then when he went to court, the judge, Barnhart, showed what he wrote about him on Facebook. And then the judge got mad at this guy, so he got in trouble, like with the Nevada State Bar for writing that shit on Facebook. So now this guy got lectured by the fucking judge. They gave me a must-appear, and I was like, I'm not going. I don't give a fuck. I was like, William, they put me in jail. This would be great for my career. I'll be in there for one day. I'll have fucking 15-minute bit about it. I was like, I'm not going to court. I told the lawyer, I don't care. I'm in Phoenix. I'm not coming. So then... He went to – they went to court, and then he got in trouble to the point where the Nevada, the Nevada State law – the bar called me one day, and they're like, hey, do you know this guy? And I was like, I don't even know him. Like, I don't want him to get in trouble, and he, I think he was just trying to be funny as a comedy thing, but he was, like, legitimately in trouble, and that's when Jeez. I was like, oh, this this shit's gone too far, this guy – I mean, he wasn't – he was just trying to be funny on the comedian's post, but I was like, if this guy gets kicked out of the Nevada State Bar because he's fucking around me on Facebook, I'll feel awful forever. So then I I think they redid the 30-day protection order, and then uh, once that was up, it it all ended. I've never seen Barnhart or – he blocked me on all social media, so we don't – and i am just – and I got a lecture from Brad Garrett, which is what really put the nail in the coffin. Then one day – who I – I would look up to Brad and he's always been so good to me. He's like, dude, I was at the state, he was at the courthouse or something. And this judge was asking him about me. So when I get a text from Brad Garrett and Brad's like, what are you doing, man? You're a nice guy. What are you? And I was like, that made me feel really shitty too. So that's that's how it all ended, which, which in hindsight, obviously I shouldn't have done any of it, but it was, it was, yeah. it was, I, it was very embarrassing in the end. And to have lawyers get in trouble and have Brad Garrett, who's I love working in his club. and. Some who's helped me so much to have him, like, disappointed in me was like, this is the worst. So <laughs> I'm a fucking what you, a,
1: is this? I'm, summarize that story. I'm a fucking moron. A 30-day protection order against the wife, I don't get why you didn't just say, like, hey, man, I'm just joking around. Like, I'm not going to obviously assault your wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, would, I didn't would, know. Would, would, there, that have,
2: would that have ended it? I don't know. I mean, the 30-day protection order was already filed. Like, they didn't tell me they were doing that. So they went and did all that. So by the time I found out about it, it was already, you know, I found out about the protection order when that first guy tried to serve me the papers of the MGM. Cause I was like, what, what is this even about? And then he's like, well, he got a protection order cause you said you were going to try to fuck his wife and his wife didn't feel safe. so She's worried that you're going to come actually fuck her. So I didn't know about it until the
1: protection order was already in motion. You know? Yeah. But I'm saying like, say like I'm talking to you online or something. We don't know each other. And I just go. I mean, I don't really talk like this, but if they was like, "Oh man, you better stop before I come smack you around or something," right? Yeah. And then you were like, oh, "I'm scared of this guy, Jeff Keith." And then I get served with a thirty-day protection order. I would just be like, "All right, well, the rest of my life, I'm never going to go smack that guy around. So what do I care? Like, does it matter? Or do you have to? You get like no, no, like, so, yeah. So it didn't matter. You
2: violated, That's right? why I was like, another thing. Yeah, as long as I didn't violate it, I think the thing. I think the guy told me the detective was like, "Yeah, just." If you see him, you know, stay away from him, just go the other way. Just try to stay, like, 100 or 200 yards. And I was like, I'll never see him. Or if I see him, he's not going to come up and talk to me. But it was just, they were just trying, you know, this dude was just trying to. And it and it was very douchey to say that. Now, it was like, we were, so they tried to fuck me on a lot of shit. Like, obviously, I shouldn't have said, hey, I'm going to try to fuck your wife. But that was, yeah. like, after three or four days of argument, obviously. And that was just, like, the kid in me talking shit, like, on the playground. But uh, yeah. I never thought it would spiral to a protection order. and All
1: of this yeah. fucking
2: nonsense.
1: I was never going go like, to. I feel like most people on Facebook who post anything political and then end up in the comments together should have protection orders against each. Yeah, other.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could. <laughs> I've, I've been in a million arguments where I guess people said they'd come kill me, but I just laugh it off and go that's Facebook. I never think someone's actually going to come kill me, but. If everyone yeah. did what Barnard did, I mean the court system. I mean that's why that's why I laughed about it. She was like, "It's Facebook." Because when oh you know what started it all is I was talking shit about him, and then he sent me a cease and desist order in my inbox. But I was like, you can't, that's not how it works. So he sent me a cease and desist order, all kinds of misspellings and shit. Like he's a lawyer or something. He he wrote so that I
1: himself. Post- so he bought bought so that me- online for 17
2: bucks. <laughs> yeah. So then I posted that on my page and go, look at this fucking fake ass cease and desist order. I was like, that's not, so he would just do shit like that. It would drive me crazy. Like, do you know anything about anything you can't, a cease and desist order doesn't come through my fucking fan page on Facebook inbox. And then, so then, and then, once he started calling all the clubs and trying to get me, you know, like he called every club he knew and tried to get me canceled. And luckily all the, everyone that really knows me actually knows I'm a good dude, but I just sometimes be an idiot. So luckily Brad, so then it backfired for him. Cause then Brad, I still work Brad's club, but then he never got to work Brad's club again, just for being like a tattletale and shit. Cause most of the clubs are like, why are you involving us in this? Yeah. You're a two grown man just arguing on Facebook. This don't have, fuck, this have to do with Brad Garrett. Or yeah. or the Ice House or anything. They're like, okay. So you're arguing, you guys live in Vegas. He's calling clubs like Michigan and shit. And
1: I'm sure. I'm in the
2: club in Michigan. I was like, I barely even book you. I don't even know Brent Tobler. Why the fuck are you sending me this?
1: I know, dude. It's so strange. Um, so, hey, man, I'm I'm good. Good. I could talk to you all day, but I got to handle my kids. My wife has been watching yeah. for an hour so. But before, I wanted you to tell everyone about your book. Because I know we're all out of work. Right now, yeah, yeah. And you have a really good book and I know a lot of the story, right? This is about like what you would do in Vegas, right? When you
2: were yeah, running so
1: the... the, yeah. So yeah, my my, uh, my book's called Free Roll. It's, a,
2: it's just a memoir about my life. I grew up in Wyoming and my dad was in prison the whole time I was a kid. And when he got out of prison, I moved to Vegas to try to reconnect with him and, and have a relationship. And then I got a job working for the biggest professional gamblers in the world so i would carry hundreds of thousands of dollars every day and run up and down the strip bet on sport which was like the dream job everything was going great then my dad got off parole got back on drugs stole 80,000 dollars cash from me one day when i was asleep which was actually my boss's money and then i came up with this crazy plan to try to kill my dad which uh luckily didn't work because i wouldn't be able to do this <laughs> podcast with you right now but i uh so then i wrote a book and then a bunch of other crazy shit happened so it's a book uh it's, it, like I said, it's a book. It's available, Audible. Uh, there's an Audible version of me reading it. It's available on Amazon, in any bookstore, anywhere you get books, and it's called Free Roll, and they're, we're in the process of trying to sell it to make it into a movie and TV show. So, And that all stemmed from, from Brad Garrett helping me, which is crazy. He still helps me with what an idiot I am. So, yeah, my book. And if you want it, you can just uh, hit me up on social media, Brant, Tobler, B-R-A-N-D-T-T-O-B-L-E-R, and I'll send you a copy and stickers from my podcast and stuff. That way I make more money right now when we're not doing gigs. Or if you want, you can just get it off Amazon or Audible. And uh, and I have a couple podcasts. I have uh, the 31, which me and you are going to do an episode hopefully tomorrow or soon. And, then, uh, and Brad Garrett's actually my guest that came out today. And then I do another podcast called Craigslist Chaos, where I just get on Craigslist and call people and fuck with them which is everybody's favorite. And then I do one with my girlfriend called Dead to Us. So if you go to the 31, if you look up the 31 Brant Tobler, I'm putting out a podcast every single day. So if you're looking for content, uh, I'm there for you.
1: I didn't know you had the three. The Craigslist Chaos, I'd seen you uh, say certain things about it, but I didn't know what it was. Um, That's funny because I remember I felt bad a long time ago. I was trying to just expand my email list when I had a show at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. So... Uh-huh. I had a lot of emails, and you know, I, I I was getting paid by a percentage of the bar. So I was like, man, if I, I go, the more people know about the show, and I was just giving away tickets, right? It was like a Tuesday night, and uh, yeah, and I would. So when people knew about the show, I'd pack it out. And it'd be awesome, and it'd be really fun. I'd always I always write good comics. brought like Ari Shafir and Adam Devine, all these people that are like now like really doing really well. And uh, so what I would do is, I don't think this is what your podcast is. If you say you call people, but I would post things. Um, I ended up feeling fucking really horrible because some of the emails I'd get, but I'd post like, I just go to the internet, I find a picture of like a Honda Civic that was like, you know, four <laughs> years old. And I'd go, hey guys, I go, I put it in the free section. I go, I just won the lottery. And I go, I don't need this car anymore. I'm giving it away. Like, who wants it? I'm so happy. Like, you know, whatever. And I go, why not give it away? Why would I sell it? And then I'm like, the 2009 fucking. <laughs> civic, whatever. And I would get like hundreds of emails immediately. And some people were like, is this a joke? And other people were just like, um, Hey, like, if, I hope I'm first. <laughs> you know, and all stuff. And yeah. some people would write like a sob story, like, you know, and then I'm like, Oh, oh my course. God, I don't, and they were probably lying. But like, if they were, if it was true. It'd be like, Oh, my husband just lost his job and like, we need this and blah, blah. And we have three kids. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel terrible. What I would do is I would just like copy all those emails and then from, put them into another email address so they never could like figure out how I got their email. That's but it didn't, really, it didn't really work that well though because I when I would blast out the next show, I'd be like, "Hey, like free tickets to the to Comedy Club." They'd be like, "Like anyone who would respond would be like how the fuck did you get this email address?" And, <laughs> and it wouldn't like trace back and all that. I remember one time I just took a photo of um, a pile of like a DEA drug bust, it was like a, a pile of weed. And I go, I quit smoking. Who wants <laughs> my stash? And, like, <laughs> hundreds of people were like, is that real? Like, And I'm like, and I, I, I put it there, like, look, legally I'm not allowed to give away all of it. So if you just want, like, a couple ounces <laughs> or something. That's I tried to great. make it sound. Dude, so people, Craigslist is great. I would dude, always laugh at it.
2: There's, there's crazy people on there. So all I do is I just go to, like, I let people pick what town I should go to, whatever, and then I just put call me in the search bar, and then anybody that posts a phone number, like, I'll try to buy stuff, or I'll try to get jobs, or I mean, I've, there's so many crazy people on there. They try to get me in the Illuminati. There's, I mean, I, <laughs> there's just so much. Or like, if they're if I think they're if they're just like trying to do real shit, I don't really fuck with them. But anyone I think is trying to scam, then I call them and and like uh, and I just fuck with them. But people love it, and I love it because you know how hard it is to get guests and and work on doing podcasts this way. Whenever I feel like creative, I just come down here to my podcast studio and get on Craigslist, and there's always chaos. there waiting for me, so that's what I love about it. Because so many times I've like, let's say I had Ari booked to do the show, and then he has to cancel last minute, then I don't put out a podcast that week, which kills all yeah. the momentum. This way, I can do you know, I'll I'll do a Craigslist chaos tonight around five and just call. And there's just it just recycles for me. There's always weird people on Craigslist trying to do weird shit. So a lot of hookers, weird massage parlors. Love that. <laughs> it's just yeah, chaos. Yeah. If
1: you're looking for never a
2: podcast, check out Craigslist Chaos, Brant Tobler. It's uh it's never, it's never the same. So.
1: Well, well look. I want anyone who listens to, this to check out all that stuff. So when we're off, yeah, you can just shoot me a text with whatever you want me to put, and I'll put it in the show notes. The links to your book or any of your podcast, all of that stuff, I'll just put it all in the show notes. So it's easy for people. Perfect. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for That's doing cool. it. Uh, yeah, thanks Brant, for having me on, Brant man. The... I'm glad you're doing good. Well, you know. <laughs> i'm doing something uh all right buddy thanks and everybody check out brand i'll put all his instagram and all that stuff and links to all that stuff in the show notes so have a good one buddy stay safe and healthy out there thank you for to my daddy